If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, welcome to The Rest is Football and a very happy new year to you all, especially to you, Micah Richards. I'm not including Alan Shearer because he's not with us on this uh, New Year's Eve, but we'll make do, Micah. We'll We'll make do. We always do, don't we? Our very own pigs in blankets machine (laughs) that you are. Uh, It is, of course, uh, New Year's Day when this episode is being released, but we're currently recording in the afternoon on New Year's Eve, which begs the question, what has Big Meats got planned (laughs) for tonight? The thing is, though, we've talked about Christmas and me being the Grinch, and New Year is exactly the same. <laughs> Gone are the days where I've been, I've been getting absolutely slaughtered and hammered and out till four and five in the morning. I'm having a nice, peaceful night. I might bring out a glass of red. Might go mm. with a, a sassikaya tonight. Something Ooh. smooth and easy. But that's about it. And what about you, Gaz? I'm along those lines, Micah, but I'm ancient, obviously. I just thought that you, you know, still a very relatively um, young man. So, yeah, I've got a cottage pie on the go um, and a um, couple of friends um, coming over. And um, we're just going to have a, a, a nice, nice cottage pie of, and a nice bottle of wine as well um, okay. to accompany it. So um, hopefully we won't be in too bad a shape Um Come tomorrow morning, getting too old for all that stuff, really. But um, not getting too old for football, though. And um, we've had plenty of it. Um, let's start with the games that were played on New Year's Eve today, Sunday, as we broadcast. And that we have to start with Arsenal. What an awful Christmas they've had. Um, just the solitary point, the draw at Liverpool. Uh, then they lost, of course, um, against West Ham. Um, at home by two goals to nil even though they obviously dominated that game but couldn't score and then Fulham beat them and, and you have to say deservedly so I thought Fulham were excellent Yeah, as, as people know I'm, I'm, I'm Man City through and through but Arsenal was my team so I always keep a close eye on the mighty Arsenal and today was one of those I don't even know what the right word to use is. I won't want to say pathetic, but there was no cohesion. There was no balance within the team. They started off and got a goal from Saka. I thought they was going to build on that. Didn't really happen. 
But you've got to give credit to Fulham. They was really, really good. But from a tactical point of view within that game, so you've got Kirio playing left-back. So you've got four centre-halves. We know Ben White's a centre-half by trade, but he plays right-back and does a very good job. And then second half, it brings on Tomiyasu. And obviously Tomiyasu is, is right-footed. But if you look at Tomiyasu's position, he was actually playing in midfield. So I'm thinking, you've got Jorginho on the bench. You want another man in midfield. He was, I wouldn't say he was getting overrun, but it wasn't really happening. And I just thought, bringing Tomiyasu, the, the change that he's made in the game, it didn't have the desired impact. And I'm scratching my head thinking, you've got all this talent, Martinelli and Saka, and he started with Nketiah, brought on Jesus. Havertz was sort of quiet after his suspension. And it was one of the worst performances I've seen them play this mm. season. And I thought, though, looking at Fulham's performance, so there were some really good individual performances uh, within that. Paulinho was um, exceptional once again. A couple of the blocks towards the end were, were absolutely terrific. And I thought the central defender, Calvin Bassey, um, um, on the day that Shirley Bassey got a, a, a damehood, I think. Do you call it a damehood? She was made a dame anyway. Um, he was, I thought he was terrific. Um, and um, Jimenez is, is, is back scoring goals. They've missed him in the last couple of um, weeks when he's, he's, he's been out, uh, suspended, of course. And Decordova Reed, um, consistent performer. Decordova Reed, funnily enough, I, I was on a flight from. LA coming back a couple of years ago and um, I was sitting and sitting right next to me um, was a young lady with a, a, a very young baby and you know it's like when you've got a long overnight flight and you look next to her and there's a little baby next to you and I thought oh no this is gonna no oh crikey but I didn't I didn't say anything obviously and then we, we, we were chatting and it turns out it was the partner of Deckard over Reed right so Bobby um, and um the kid never made a sound. It was amazing. Beautiful little baby. And <laughs> and the other thing is interesting about um, Bobby Deckard over it is his sister is um, is the, the Labour MP, I think, for Battersea, I, I, I think. Um, so, no yeah. way! I just, just thought I'd throw that in um, for interest. But I thought I thought the Fulham's performance all round was, was really, really good. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, Bassey, he was at Rangers, if I remember correctly. Ajax, I think. He went to, no, but he was at, he was at, Ajax, well, Ajax and Rangers. He definitely played in a Scottish league, 100%. Mm. And then it was at Ajax last. And he can play fullback, but he can also play centre-half. He's really comfortable on the ball. He's really demanding. And I just thought it was all-round great performance. Obviously, they've got Tim Ream, the experienced pro, who's going to be there for, what, 10 years now? And you've got young Tosin, who was at Manchester City, and he's playing some of the best football of his career right now. They just look a really balanced team. You've got your old old guy, Castagna, playing at fullback. Yeah. Um, and they've got Robinson playing left-back. So as a back four, they're working really well together. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on about Bass. It was Rangers. Ireland, yes! And, and then to Fulham. I, I never doubted you for a second. <laughs> Don't worry, uh, Micah. Um, Fulham now, what, nine points clear of the um, relegation zone. I mean, they're, they're a little bit hit and miss. You never quite know what you're going to get, didn't they? They've won a couple of games, 5-0. Then they, they've beaten Arsenal. But in, in, in between that, the 
got a couple of good hide-ins. But I think that was mainly down to a number of players missing, um, particularly Jimenez up front. And um, Willian as well was was missing for a couple of games. And I think that makes a big difference. I, I think with, with Fulham as well, I, I think they concede a lot because the way they play. They play attacking football. Of course, you're going to leave gaps. You've got wingers. I think bringing Tom Kearney into the midfield and sort of putting William into the wide areas has just helped them a little bit better with their balance and a really good side to watch. And like you said, Jimenez has been fantastic last couple of weeks. Do, do you think with with a result like this and the two previous, not so much the Liverpool results, that's not that's not a bad scoreline, but and and even the defeat against West Ham, they they were obviously on top. But does this make Arsenal and Arteta go right? We really need to do something in this transfer window. Speak, speaking from a, a pundit, speaking from a, a, a fan, the reason when we you ask us who's going to win the league at the start of the season. You look at firepower. So you look at Liverpool and what they have. You look at Manchester City and even Chelsea with their wingers. You think, oh, they could do something. The only problem with, with Arsenal, you've got Saka and Martinelli and then Jesus, he affects the play in terms of being involved in the game. Works really hard, links up well, really good technically, but he's not a a true goal scorer. So you have to get a striker in. And Ketia did well at times. He's got really good movement, but he misses a lot of big chances. If I'm Arsenal now, you have to go and buy a striker. It's imperative that they do. If they want to compete, it was last season where Saliba got injured for parts of the season. And the difference with Man City and an Arsenal Man City can lose Haaland, they can lose De Bruyne and still keep within distance of the rest of the teams. Whereas Arsenal now, they should have kicked on. And the reason I don't think they have is because they've not got someone who's potent in front of goal. You probably need, don't you? A, a, and I know there have been exceptions, obviously, even Manchester City before Haaland, where you, you, you sort of need to get a kind of guaranteed 20 goals a season out of somebody. Um, I think... The interesting thing will be to see who they go for or if they go for someone. Obviously, Ivan Tony, there have been a lot of um, rumours about him, whether he'll go. Um, I was interested to, to see recently, the last couple of days, that um, Victor Osimhen has signed a contract, um, renewed at Napoli, even though they're struggling this season. By comparison, they're about, I think they're about eighth in, the, in Serie A um, at present. I mean, Osimhen's some player and I'm, I'm surprised that no one's gone out for him or maybe they have and he doesn't want to leave I, I think the problem is now and you'll know more better than, than anyone Gary is the prices for your number nines now so if you've got someone like Osserman we'll, we'll talk probably about Tony a little bit later on but it might cost you 150 million and some teams don't want to spend that on just one player I was surprised understandably <laughs> I would I, I was surprised that that he signed because he had all, he's got all the tools to play in the Premier League. He's fast, he's strong, he can hold it up, and he can finish. And I thought it'd be perfect for someone like Arsenal, but it, you know it wasn't meant to be. You're a real Arsenal fan, aren't you? <laughs> you can I, tell I mean, me my voice. I can tell. I, <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> it's just seeping out of you the disappointment. I honestly. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. Uh, I'm not going to be honest. That result today spoiled my day. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It spoiled it my did. day. I was I'm, looking I'm forward. Gonna 
I'm going to cheer you up a little bit. I'll go on. Because I'm going to talk about Spurs winning. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, it was a game that we didn't see on television because um, it was originally down to be a Saturday game. And because Spurs played Brighton on Thursday, it had to be moved to the Sunday. And it, it, it was not automatically a TV game. So it's played at the same time as the Arsenal game. That's the actual reasons. But... Spurs needed that. It's funny, Arsenal played with a back four of four central defenders, didn't they? And Spurs played with a back four of four fullbacks. It's, it's crazy. Maybe it? they should have done a little swap thing between them. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what, you give us a couple of your central defenders, I'll give you, we'll give you a couple of our fullbacks because Arsenal are short of fullbacks and Spurs are short of central defenders because obviously the injuries to um, Van der Ven and Romero in particular. Mm-hmm. But good result for them because Bournemouth have been in cracking form. They really have. And it's, um, it's again, it's down to the, the manager. I feel like we talk about the manager always on, on our podcast just because he does great things and he knows exactly what he wants from his team and his team are doing it. If you ask me to play in a position that I'm not familiar with, it, it's, it's very difficult, but it sticks. Remember the, a couple of weeks ago when there was keeping that really high line and it was against the Chelsea game and then Chelsea might not have finished off the game or whatever. And everyone's like, they can't play like this. They can't play like this. It's not going to work for them. But he's persisted with it, with players who are not even centre-halves. And they're still managing to get through this period because of his philosophy and the players buying into that. And it's working for him. It's, it's brilliant to watch. It really is. And the manager deserves so much credit. I just think with Spurs now, is you get to January and you, you have a go. Champions League... Ange Ball, I just think they're, they're in a really good period for a manager who's transformed a team so quick. Give him what he needs. Give him all the tools he needs to, to go forward now. Ben Davies, I think, has done particularly well oh, he's he? moving in, into the middle there. I think, I mean, obviously we didn't see today's game, but um, they only conceded late on a consolation goal. Um, so to, under those circumstances, I think Bournemouth, according to reports, um, had a number of um, chances to score in the first half. But um, that leaves it now with Spurs just one point behind Arsenal. And they all, even whatever happens in the league, oh, there's, there's that, um, that fight between the North London boys. Who's going to finish top? Um, and you'd have, you'd have thought Arsenal by a mile at the start of the season, um, even probably a week or two ago or th even a month ago when Tottenham start to get all their injuries and suspensions, etc. You'd have still thought Arsenal would be miles clear, but that's not the case. Um, and who knows if, if Spurs can get all their players fit, in the next few weeks, I mean, I know they've got players going to the to the Africa Cup of Nations, and obviously Son will be going to the Asian Cup. Um, so you know, it's going to be even more difficult over the next two or three weeks. But they've got the FA Cup thing now. They've got that kind of that sort of pretend um, winter break that we have, where you you get one weekend off, and even though there's football that that carries on. So, I mean, I think he's doing an extraordinary job. Postacoglu, and I love watching Spurs play. Did you see that Madison was was at the ground watching, and he was with? Did, did, have you have you caught onto the darts at all, Michael? Well, I have seen a sixteen-year-old exactly what I mean. he was with Madison it, yeah. at the game today. Because you know Madison does the dart celebration. Oh yeah, 
yes, apparently yes. was with him watching watching Tottenham play Bournemouth today because obviously it's Ali Pally and that's down the road from from Tottenham. So, um, which I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not a dart. I've not really watched. I've watched darts over the years, but I'm not a massive darts fan. Um, unlike um, someone next to me here, Harry, um, our producer, who's a massive darts fan. And, but he, I watched, we were watching it yesterday before match of the day. Goodness me, the kid's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, I know this is not the rest is darts, but. I, I know, thought, but it's nice to give a bit of, you know what I mean? Give it me flowers. <laughs> give him flowers. <laughs> but he, he's a big lad, isn't he, for 16? 16, he looks, he looks older than my, all my boys. <laughs> and my oldest is 32. Um, but um, he, he, he was remarkable. Um, is it crazy to say that it's possible that Arsenal won't finish in the top four? And I'm, I'm not doing that bit to be cruel to an Arsenal fan, but uh, you just never know. I think I think they will be in the top four. N- Newcastle like. was good, and then the, the the sort of tailed off, and then they get some results. Spurs look good. And then Man United looked like they changed everything and then they went back to the old ways. So I think Arsenal will definitely be in, in the top four. But again, it goes back to January. They had the need, they need a striker. Um, I think them challenging for the number one spot now, I think it's going to be very difficult, just psychologically as well. Um, but you know, anything can happen in football. And you you tipped Arsenal to, to win the league, Gary, didn't you? So... I did, I did. Um, only to be contrary to, to to you two, who'd both gone for the obvious choice of Manchester City. Oh, I, obvious, I still sir. suspect it probably will be Manchester City, but I'm not going to change. I'm, I'm still, sticking with it. I'm, I'm, obviously, I prefer Tottenham to win the league. <laughs> um, even you know, Aston Villa are in there as well. We'll come to those. Um, I want to talk about yesterday's games um, um, after we take uh, a little break. So let's do that now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. 
We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Rest is Football with um, Micah Richards and me, Gary Lineker. Uh, no, Alan Shearer uh, on New Year's Eve, uh, funnily enough. Uh, <laughs> right, let's, let's talk about, well, the Manchester clubs. Um, Manchester City, I suspect, clicking into gear a little bit. Um, it was a home win. It was against Sheffield United. Um, they completed, Micah, 938 passes, I think, which is the um, second most ever in the Premier League. I think Man City have got the top three or four, uh, as you would expect. Um, unbeaten at the Etihad in, in 2023. And they're right in the title race. I mean, they were always in the title race. So they're always going to be in the title race. Um, but the teams with them during their sticky spell have not taken advantage of that, have they? They just haven't. And you know what it is? It's, it's, it's quite difficult for me to talk about Man City because obviously I was there so young and affiliation with the, the club, absolutely love the club. But when they're not playing that great and I say, or oh, they've not been to the best. It gets picked up by everything. Or oh, how how dare you talk about Man City like that? I'm just like, no, they've just not been. They've dropped off from the standards they've set in previous seasons. That's all. But you know, a game of five, 10, 15 games, you, you know they're going to put that together just because of the quality of the players, the quality of the manager. And we all know it's coming, don't we? Um, <laughs> yes. it, that, that is that is the problem. So it is, it's very difficult to to criticise them because until it gets to March, April, and mathematically they, they can't win the league, that's the only time you can really write the champions off because they're just an excellent, excellent side. And Foden right now is playing some of the best football of his career. He really is. Oh, he's playing. He's playing beautifully in that in that little free role, um, like almost like a number ten. Rodri too was exceptional. I think he, he had 166 completed passes yesterday. 166. That's that's nearly two every minute of a football match. I mean, that's that's quite extraordinary, isn't it? And the thing is as well about Manchester City because we we know, and it was the same with Manchester United in the past with with the sides from um, at. Sir Alex Ferguson's teams, that it was more about how they performed mm -hmm. after the new year. 
February, March, the big months. Um, and I think they've got one point more than they had at this particular stage um, last season. And well, because Arsenal had quite a big lead, didn't they? So um, it's it's a little bit different. The gap is smaller, although there are more teams. There are more teams um, involved at present than there probably were uh, last season uh, with the likes of obviously Villa, Liverpool, um, who probably look the most serious threat at the moment, I would say. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. I just think, obviously, Salah going to African Cup of Nations, that is a big question mark. Can they plug the gap? I think they can. I, I think they can. I think last time when Salah went, I, th- I was reading something somewhere that the, the won a lot of the games when he wasn't away anyway. They can get over the line without him, but he just basically makes the team so much better, does does Salah. They've got really good quality to come up. And it was, we talked about Nunes so much having to step up. Jota always scores when he plays as well. Diaz looks like he's back into to good form as well. So I think they'll be absolutely fine. But the thing is with Manchester City is they've done this with Haaland being out, Kevin De Bruyne being out. You know, you take your star players out every other team. They've got an enormous squad though. Yeah, incredible depth. They, they have an enormous squad full of, whether that be young top players and top professionals, you, you know what I mean? Like, if you look at City's 13, 14, you'd probably say world-class. And then you've got some superstar youngsters ready to fill the void, like uh, Oscar Bob, come on. He was good. He's, <laughs> oh my God. I seen him in um, uh, Newcastle away in the, the League Cup and he was the best player on the pitch by a country mile. They just keep finding them and finding them. Um, so it's always going to be difficult for anyone trying to come against Man City just because they're so good. Totally agree uh, with that. They are, uh, they're an exceptional side. You talked about how exceptional um, Phil Foden was and has been for the last that few weeks, particularly in that that role. I mean, he's he's, he's a gorgeous footballer. I mean, he's, he, he's got the half turns and he's sharp and he's quick and he sees things and he gets in little spaces brilliantly. Um, Kevin De Bruyne um, was warming up, didn't come on, of course, but um, he got the probably the biggest cheer of the day when he was warming up down the touchline. Um, so you've got him coming back now. You talked about Oscar Bob, you've got Grealish, you've got you know so many brilliant players around. I mean, it's, it's a problem that, that Pep's coped with. <laughs> admirably and it's a lovely problem to have that will that affect perhaps someone like Foden when De Bruyne is back or you know De Bruyne has been out for a long time so I would imagine they'll ease him in yeah they'll definitely ease him in um it's going to be interesting to see but you know what we think okay Man City have got all the, the players back now but Pep will create something different he'll put Bernardo Silva left back and he'll end up being <laughs> the best left back in, in the Premier League it, it, it's just astonishing what he can do but I would love to see Phil Foden stay mm. in that number 10 role I Me think too. the good thing about Kevin De Bruyne, a lot of his good play does come from the right-hand side. So we've talked so much about when Beckham used to put them balls in and hard and low and fast and curl and driven, whatever it may be. And a lot of his play, Kevin De Bruyne, comes from that that side. So they, they can all fit in there. I just hope Foden gets to stay in the number 10 role. I saw David Beckham a couple of nights ago in a restaurant in the Cotswolds. Yeah. 
Yeah, what was the conversation? Family. Uh, I, I went over before. Before I, you know, I saw him come in, and he's, everyone's going, "Ooh, David Beckham." Um, no one said a bloody word when I walked in. He said, "There's that, there's that twat Lineker. Um And then it was like, "Oh, there's David Beckham." But no, I went over. He's always lovely. He's always uh, he's always very sweet. Um, um, we just had a little couple of minutes chat before before I left. But um, yeah, but, but De Bruyne can hit that. He's got that similar kind of um, delivery. Uh, do we now include Aston Villa in this title race because other teams are, are, are stumbling? We keep we keep asking this question and, and we keep saying the same answer. That, and I, I spoke to um, Unai Emery um, after the game, the interview um, yesterday for Match of the Day. Um, it was nice. We had a little chat before we actually did the interview. Actually, he's, he, I mean, he's, he seems like I've never met him, but uh, this first time I've ever spoken to him, I think. And he was, we had a little chat in Spanish, funny enough. It's good to practice occasionally. Um, and I, I said to him uh, in the interview, I went, Buenas tardes, like, which is good evening in Spanish. <laughs> and he laughed. He, liked, he quite liked it. Um, it, was, it was a bit of fun. Um, but he's, what, what, what a job he's doing. I mean, I did feel for Burnley um, a little bit yesterday um, with that one, but uh, particularly that decision at the end, I think, we'll, we'll, which we'll come to in a second. But, you know, they're still there. They've got, I think they've got about the same amount of points that Leicester had at, at the same time when they went on to win the league. Although I don't think the opposition in Leicester's season was quite at the level of, of some of the clubs around them now. What do you reckon, Micah? <sighs> Who knows? Who knows in football anymore? I think they can definitely get Champions League now. That's in my yeah, mind, 100%. I agree. Can they win the league? I, I, I go back to what we said a couple of weeks ago. I think they'll need another striker just because Watkins might get burnt out. Diaby's playing really well. He's been really amazing, well. Watkins. He's been amazing. He works so hard for the team. And we talked about him in improving, you know, sometimes getting into them areas and not being potent, not being clinical, not being ruthless. It's the work he does off the ball, which Well, is... you say that, Micah. You say all that. But it, this season, along with Salah, Mo Salah, is, it's the only player to get 20 goals and 10 assists in the league in 2023. That's the entirety of the year. So that speaks volumes, doesn't it, about his improvement? I mean... Yeah, but I just... When I was speaking to, to Al, and I asked Al a question of what, what does he need to do to go to the next level? And he just says he needs to concentrate a little bit more and being calm in front of goal. But his all-round game has uh, improved dramatically. Like we said, 10 assists is, is amazing. They need to play through him. I just think if he was to get injured, they become a different team. And that's why I think Man City and Liverpool will just oust them to the, the title this year unless they were to go into the market in January. Yeah, even if they finish in the top five, it'd be it's amazing, incredible amazing. achievement. I think they got a bit lucky with the penalty decision at the end yesterday. Uh, I mean, I think it, the referee gave it. If 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 he hadn't have given it on the field, I don't think VR would have turned it over. I don't know. There was a tiny bit of contact with his toe touched the bottom of his boot, but he went down like it <laughs> like it was a savage foul rolling around. And do you think that the fact that VR is there now and it's looking for tiny any contacts and stuff like that. I know on this occasion, the referee gave it on the field of play, but I'm just wondering whether VAR is encouraging players to actually take a fall as soon as they get touched. 
Whereas I always thought that perhaps now VAR was around, it would stop players throwing themselves to the ground because we'd all see that they were play acting and diving. Now, obviously, a dive, dive, dive is when there's absolutely zero contact whatsoever. But if there's just the minutiae of a little flick on the bottom of your heel, um, I, it's... What do you think? It's just it's just a point of thought that I was um, I think pondering. Broadcasters, podcasters, pundits, presenters are all part of the the maybe the problem that it's created because so we now, should get rid of ourselves <laughs> because the scrutiny <laughs> on the referees every single week is a lot greater now. So, but that's really because of VAR, isn't it? Yes, isn't it, it is because of it is because of VAR. Yeah. But what's happened now is that is no way a penalty. That is no way a penalty. And the referee gave it on field, if I remember correctly. Did, did it was on um, Ramsey on Duran? Yeah, he was gave it. it. Yeah, yeah, he gave Ramsey it on, on, on yeah. field. So now, yeah. if if they come round and say, okay, it's. This this the whole thing of this clear and obvious thing is really killing it. I think, in my opinion, because it's not a penalty, but because there was a slight contact, it, it's not a clear and obvious error, and that's where the problem lies. And because now we talk about it every single week, it's putting more pressure on on the referees to just like okay, let the referee make the decision. But really, if we're being honest with ourselves. That was not the correct decision. I, I, I totally agree with that summary. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely agree with, with that. I want to talk about Cole Palmer. Oh! oh, oh, oh. I mean... We've, we've, no, 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 hold on. Cold, cold Palmer. Cold, cold. ice cold. The cold ice is cold, Palmer. Not, not cold, cold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that little uh, rollover, the, the little drag back thing, whatever. I don't know how you describe that. Um, but it was a thing of beauty. I mean, uh, because it wasn't one where he's, where he's going really slow. He was actually going at pace when he did that. And he, I mean, if, uh, for those that didn't see it, he had what kind of one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and the ball came and he just put his studs over the ball and dragged it to one side. And even after that, he still took his time and shuffled it back again. I mean, he's a very talented young man. I'm enjoying watching him play. And he could creep into the European Championship squad. I have to give you a little bit of credit before we go into Euros in, in a minute. He came on for City a couple of seasons ago and you asked me, who is that boy? He looks like he could be very special. That's what you said to me. So I've got to give you your juice, Gary. You, you called it from a long... And, and I mean... It, it wasn't the hardest one to call. If I'm I, being told, I always think I always think talent is is glaringly obvious to most of us. Mm, I mean. I'm I'm not sure. Salah Salah at Chelsea. They let they let him go. He had to. Do I mean, I I have to confess, I've been wrong with players before. Actually, I don't think I have been. Um, <laughs> not very often. Uh, I remember telling my my, my, my one of my neighbours is Ed Woodward of Manchester United. I remember telling him to get Jude Bellingham when he was about 15. Said, Ah, get him going, and he tried his. He tried to, well, I think he was 16, maybe. Um, I said, you've got to get him. He's going to be the superstar. And um, he, he did try and get him, but he, he opted for, for Dortmund in the end. But, um, but no, talent's obvious. You can see it. Anyone can see it, really. I've, you should be able to see that kind of 
something. You should, but it doesn't always materialise, does it? No, no. And it, and it still might not with all these young players because there are things that can go wrong. You know, you you get an injury um, um, or something like that, or you, you know, things can happen to you off the field. Um, you get into a muddle, all sorts of, there are all sorts of dangers um, for, for young footballers. We know that, but if they've got the head on right, they avoid injuries, they work really hard. It's it's hard to see him not being a top class footballer. No, agreed. But going back to Cole Palmer and the Euros, one hundred percent, he should be. It was always within the Man City camp. He's, he's he's too good to be on the bench, but we can't really let him go because he's making the other team he goes to. It's going to be a top team better. But when you've got the likes of De Bruyne and, and Foden, it was always going to be difficult. So it allowed him to go to Chelsea. It was good for him. Gets to play first team football, show the world what he can do. And Man City got, was it 45 million for him, which is really good coming through the academy. But he's just got everything. He just, the way he controls the ball, he looks up. He's, and he's not afraid to get in the ball even when it's not going right. He can press now as well, that he's getting into his game. And if I was picking the squad, he's got to go. He's got to go in the squad, 100%. He's actually quicker than I thought as well. He's, mm, he's, he, he glides he across the ground. Um, he's... I mean, if you're Gareth Southgate now and you're looking at, say, I mean, he doesn't generally play with a 10, but he could easily play because he could easily play. He likes two holders and he could play a 10 in front and then, um, then four at the back and then three up top. Um, but if you've got, if you think about it now, if, they, if all three are fit and flying and in top form at the same time, you've got Foden, Madison, Palmer, all play in that kind of role, don't they? I mean, if you can only pick two of them, oh. <laughs> that's different. But you can't because they're also good enough players to adapt and play in other roles in the wide positions up the top. I mean, it's a fantastic position for for someone like Southgate uh, to be in at present, to have that. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a few months away. Things can happen. You can lose form. People can get injured. So the fact that you've got that depth um, is a massive, massive asset and attribute. I actually believe, I don't know. And Bellingham's not, playing in that role as well, of course. Now yeah. in that, although, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't have to be a rocket science to, to, to say this, but with the talent that we've got, there's only France in the Euros who, yeah. who scare me because of Kylian Mbappe and the team and their setup. But if you look at who we can draw upon, Kane is flying for Bayern. Yeah. Bellingham flying for Real Madrid, Foden flying for, for Man City, three of the biggest clubs in world football. And and then you just go around the team, like your Madison being on fire for Spurs. Like like all the, the players that you've just mentioned, we've got options. And Saka's the, another one, obviously. Saka, for the first time we've got options where, I played in great teams with England, with Gerrard and Lampard and who named Rooney, Ferdinand, Terry, Ashley Cole. But I always thought the teams who they were up against were always a little bit better. When you're going up against Xavi in Iniesta and you've got Puyol and uh, Busquets and all, all these David Villa, David Silva, it's always going to be difficult. But now you look around Europe and you're thinking, the best players are actually English. A lot of so, them they genuinely are. are. I mean, it's mad, but yeah. it's mad. And yeah. now I just think it's we've, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. 
Yeah, you would hope so. I mean, history in, in football, if, if you look at the size that are successful at youth level, um, whether it's Euros and World Cups, they do tend to go on to have success at um, full international level. And England have had that success at youth level. So uh, we shall see, but we do tend to find a way to to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, let's talk about the um, um, Nottingham Forest win over uh, uh, Manchester United. And we did the, the show last night and uh, Martin Keown did a, a, a bit of analysis around the fact that Manchester United left a bit of a hole um, in front of their own back four, particularly when Mainu went off um, in, in, in the second half. And it was a very good piece of analysis. But Nottingham Forest fans, um, as they tend to do Nottingham Forest fans, they seem to be the possibly the most needy fans in um, um, English football. I'm not saying that just because I'm a, I'm a Leicester fan. Um, but they, they're a little bit unhinged about the fact that we didn't say that how incredibly brilliant um, Forest exploited everything and stuff. Um, and I, I find it quite amusing because actually our, one of our producers, Finchie, is um, a big Forest fan. Um, <laughs> And they always think there's a bias against them. But what they don't understand is that the way punditry works is that you need to find something that is analytically interesting. Even though, obviously, Forrest did exploit it wonderfully. And I think I used the word magnificent about Francis Forrest's performance, but that clearly uh, wasn't quite enough. But football fans generally, I'm not just having a go at Forrest fans, it's a bit of fun, but they're the latest of many. They see bias. They see bias, but they only ever see bias against their team. So therefore, I suggest the bias may be theirs. <laughs> but, um, but, for, but you know, Forrest, that's two wins in, in two, um, the last two games under um, Nuno Espirito Santo. And, and, and tactically, he's, 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 he has exploited the weaknesses of the opposition. In fact, it was only a week ago when actually all Forest fans were saying, oh, amazing match of the day. They said so many amazing things about us. So um, there you go. It always, always amuses me. I find it quite funny. <laughs> I mean, just to back you up on that, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you're looking for the story. You want to talk about Forrest. And then when you're getting all the clips together, if Forrest's good stuff is just them running in behind and you might have already showed that the week before, you want to show something more interesting. And I thought the piece that Keon did was was exceptional, really, because you're talking about the, the holding player of, of Man United and why it's not really gelled. Ericsson was sort of playing a little bit higher and then couldn't get back. And then Fernandez was was in there, sort of had the, the free roll, but it just, it just didn't work. And I think sh showing that and exposing that gap right in the middle of the pitch was certainly the best thing to do while obviously praising Forrest at the same time. Forrest, you were great. You were great. Forrest were amazing. <laughs> Incredible performance from for, for, from Nottingham Forest. Um, Manchester United have got. I saw um, um, Brailsford was 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 in the stand um, watching. He's come in with obviously um, Jim Radcliffe as the new minority share owner. They they've got a lot on a lot on their plate, haven't they? Where do you start? But the thing is, what can we say about Man United that we haven't already said? I, it's got to the point now where you're just looking at it. You need to just change everything. You need to change some of the players, some of the staff, get the, the proper football people in the door who are going to make decisions and be ruthless about decisions, not afraid to upset anybody, and then work out whether Ten Hag is the manager for them or... 
by the end of the season, do they want to go in a different direction? I think that's what they have to decide sooner rather than, than later. We must talk about the team of the um, festive period. Um, has to be Wolverhampton Wanderers, doesn't it? Three but games, three victories, banging in the goals, um, playing really attractive football. Gary O'Neill, as we've said many times on this podcast, has done an exceptional job. And I think he really has something. He's, he's almost just got a, a little bit of, not cockiness or arrogance, but confidence mm -hmm. about he knows what he's doing and he's bringing out the best in his players. And they've, they've had a fabulous little spell. You know what's you know what's good about him is when you work under managers and you'll you'll know this Gary is everyone has got a style of play. So when he was talking about Ten Hag, he can't see what he's trying to do. Of course, they're working on things from Monday to Friday, but it's being able to implement that on the field. And what I think his greatest strength is is being able to get the players to buy in what he wants, and then them to go and have the confidence to go and do that. I've seen him on various things now where he's talked about his tactics and he's very articulate the way he explains things. And he can also simplify it as well. And I just think everyone's bought into exactly what he wants to do and it's paying dividend for the team. It's going to be a little bit difficult now with one going away to the... Uh, Asian Asian trophy, but he's he's been sensational, hasn't he? He scored so many goals. Again, he got an assist the other day as well, and he's just he was when he first came into to, to Wolves, I'm thinking, oh, he's got nice. He's very technically good. He can he can link up play, but he wasn't scoring the goals. Now we're seeing the true Wang, and he's been outstanding. He really has. Do you think sometimes with with coaches, because perhaps they've not been household name as a player we sort of think not look down on and you know look down on them or anything or, or put them down but we don't you know whereas you know lots of the big name players you know let's take three for example Rooney Lampard Gerard because they've been such amazing players with incredible careers you automatically assume that they're going to be really successful coaches whereas someone who's come up a different route a different way not played quite at that level um, it's it, it it can be a little bit more difficult, not necessarily difficult for them, but we they're not automatically appreciated. They really have to earn earn their spurs. I think it, it, it's a couple of things. I think credibility, of course, as a player, as a top player, you always get that credibility straight off. And Gerard going to a massive club like like Villa, uh, Lampard going to to, to Chelsea. Um, and who else did you mention? You mentioned Rooney. Rooney, obviously. Yeah, yeah. and Rooney, he started at at Derby and, and obviously now at Birmingham having a difficult time. I give the analogy of pundits. So you have yourself, Gary Lineker, so many goals for England, Alan Shearer. I'm not a pundit, Micah. But, yeah, but broadcaster, broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the analogy. So broadcaster, uh, Alan Shearer, 260 goals. Ian Wright, again, legend of the game. Then you have someone who, like myself who's, who's won things, respected in certain parts of the game, but I believe I have to work harder to get the affection and the credibility from the people within the broadcast. And I think that's the same with, with, with managing. He has to work his way up 
get the credibility and then people say, okay, you, you're very good. Let's see what you can do. Obviously, at Bournemouth did really well with that Wolves. And let's be honest, he's still not at a, no respect to Wolves, a, a top six club. So he sort of goes under the radar a little bit. But what the, he's allowed to do is earn his stripes without real, real pressure. And now he's been, been able to, to, to grow. And it was similar to what happened with Potter. But then Potter got the Chelsea job so early, the, it came with pressure. It came with everyone expected him to to win every week, and maybe he just wasn't ready at that time. Yeah, good analogy, Micah. Um, when are you going to start working harder than everyone else? And, 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 and... <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think you can get there. Keep going. Oh, Keep going, hell. Micah. I work for about 100 different broadcasters. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. <sighs> we should end um, this particular episode as, as we try to do in the weekend, um, ep, looking back at things with the moments of the week. Um, I don't know whether you've seen this, but in the Scottish Championship, um, our bros, who were full out of subs, only had their substitute goalkeeper left to bring on. They were 2-0 down. So they put on Ali Adams, who was their goalkeeper, uh, reserve goalkeeper. Uh, he came on after 60 minutes and they were, as I said, they were 2-0 down to, to top of the table, Wraith Rovers. Um, he came on. Have you? I don't know. Have you seen it, Micah? I've seen it, yeah. Oh, I mean, he scored an absolute screamer, turned around, volleyed him from about, I don't know, 30, 35 yards, swiveling as he did it. Um, unbelievable. And they managed to get back and finish um, and get a point for 2-2 for because they scored an equaliser after that. But... I mean, I've never seen a... I mean, I've seen goalkeepers score goals and I've seen goalkeepers pushed up, but I've never seen a goalkeeper brought on to play on the pitch in, and actually then go on to score like a wonder goal. Nope, that's the first time I've seen it. But if you actually look at the clip, what's so interesting about it, as the ball's coming across, there's sort of two players in shot and there's someone with gloves on. So for some reason, I think that's the goalkeeper. I'm like, what's what's he doing with his gloves on? It goes to the other person. I'm thinking, oh, this striker's quite handy. He turns and rifles it into the top top corner, top of the net. It was unbelievable finish. Yeah, so the goalie was not the one with the gloves on. <laughs> yeah, not the one with the gloves It's probably a bit cold up there. It's probably a bit, <laughs> this time bit yeah. chilly. It is a bit chilly, isn't it? Micah, we've done it on our own. We've managed to survive an episode without um, Alan Shearer. We might let him back into the team uh, later in the week. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see how the ratings go and then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, have a look at it when that happens. Hey, that's a good, good thing. It's good to keep people, <laughs> keep people on their toes if they miss a game. Okay, that's it from us. Um, we'll be back later in the week. Uh, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And a happy new year to each and every one of you.